Hello, friends. I This is my third time trying to record this. I'm really going to try to stop filtering everything I'm saying and just share my heart with you guys. So I am not doing the typical, this is a special episode, I'm not doing the typical music and everything because I really just want to share this content with all of you as food for thought. So the question at hand is, what does racism have to do with OT entrepreneurship? Because this is the exact question that was asked by someone, essentially, in the OT entrepreneur group on Facebook. So there's a group of almost 7,000 OT entrepreneurs. And what happened was I moderate that group. So I had approved a post um, by, and honestly, I can't remember his last name, Jonas, I can't remember your last name, Jonas, if you're listening, I'm sorry, Um, about a petition that was being circulated to ask AOTA to please come out with an anti-racism statement to support our black colleagues in the profession, okay? We all know that this is a time of deep, deep emotional unrest, lots of trauma, a lot going on. Um, specifically for our black colleagues and and people in the world, but I'm speaking specifically here for OT in our profession. And what happened was I approved that post with without, of course, I was like, of course we need to have AOTA come out with an anti-racism statement. And what happened was... Um, there were there were a few people while the I will say while the support for that post was overwhelmingly positive we do need to honor that overwhelmingly people were supportive and excited to ask AOTA to stand up for justice and um, what was so discouraging to me honestly I get emotional about it was that several people seemed to have issue with it. And I had I had a few people, there were three people, now that is out of 7,000, so I, I'm trying to remain hopeful here, but there were three people who reported the post behind the scenes to me to say that it should be taken down or whatever. And particularly one comment really got me, which, and I honestly don't remember who it was, but they said something like, isn't this supposed to be a group about entrepreneurship? Basically implying that being anti-racist does not have anything to do with entrepreneurship. And to which I replied, it has everything to do with our work as OT entrepreneurs. It's against our code of ethics, first of all, <laughs> to be racist. Um, and and just, you know, I really had to come to terms with myself that um, there there is still a lot of... Um, bias and racism inside of people. Um, and I, I just, um, I just was overwhelmed by it. And my own, my own racism, okay, my own. I, I should have said this at first, but um, I'll talk more about my own piece in a little bit. But I should have said this at first. This is mainly for US listeners, okay? Um, I'm assuming that if you're listening to this, you are most likely, in if you're in the U.S., you're most likely a white person because I looked it up. Our profession is 85.2% white and it's about another 6% Asian, I think. So that makes a very small percent that are um, 
black, I'm specifically focusing on our black colleagues here because that is the topic at hand, right? But we know that racism can be against any group, but I'm, I'm specifically talking about Black Lives Matter and our black colleagues in our profession. So, um, so basically that's where I'm at. And um, I'm, I'm speaking in this episode specifically to my colleagues who are white, okay? If you are a white occupational therapist, occupational therapy assistant, um, that this is, this is who I'm intending this content for. Um, you're welcome to listen, <laughs> listen in no matter who you are. But so, you know, it's likely that the large majority of majority of us are white. And I think for me, what has been so, um, just shocking about this whole experience has been the things that I learned that I thought I kind of knew already. And, um, I, I just want to share some of that learning here. So, um, oh, I, I forgot to say, AOTA did come out with an anti-racism statement, and I was so thankful for that. They responded very swiftly, and I, I want to say um, I've seen a lot about, um, you know, just just a lot of support in our profession um, for increasing diversity and I know that we can be doing more um, but I'm I'm thankful that our professional organization moved so quickly because you know in a big organization like that sometimes it can take a while to get a statement out because you have to have committees meet and people agree on the wording and all of that and so I appreciated that they did that and I want to thank AOTA um, for supporting our black colleagues and our colleagues who are people of color who are also feeling um you know, the, the effects of, of racism in our society. So um, I want to share what I've learned. So I feel like um, I've always kind of felt like I can't be racist, right? Because I have a black brother-in-law who is married to my sister, one of my best friends in the whole world, right? Or my best friend in the whole world. She is my best friend, the dearest person in the world to me. Uh, my nephews and my niece are black. <laughs> Um, my husband is Latino. My kids are, well, they own their Puerto Rican heritage probably more than they own their American heritage. So, you know, and I, I think I've kind of hid behind all of that um, as as though I can't possibly be racist, right? Because I have all these black and brown people in my family that I love. So, of course, I'm not racist. And what has happened in this process is I've just come time and time again to see how broken we are, how we all need to be self-reflecting. That is something that I heard from um, Ivor Lay. I don't know how to say her name even. I-V-I-R-L-E-I. I think she's an actress. I, I just listened to her, um, her IGTV video. And one of the things she talked about was self-reflection. Um, and that is what this time has been for me. I actually haven't been posting a lot on social media because I have felt reflective, meditative, prayerful, um, just wanting to do my own um, work, really, and um, and figure out how best to support. So here's what I've learned. I'm sorry, I've, I've talked a lot. You guys know me, I'm wordy. Usually I'm a little more um, structured, but I just, I just want to get this out there. So, so here is, um, here's what I've learned. Uh, the first thing I've learned is in this process is that um, as a white person, um, it is it is not the the burden of 
my black friends or even um, people that I know as acquaintances who are black to explain (laughs) everything to me as a white person. Okay, it's putting like uh, what I've read over and over in many things that I've been consuming online and, and just trying to learn from is that that puts an undue burden on people who are already really stressed and really emotional and to have someone who is white reach out and say well how can I be an ally how can I do this how can tell me what to do I want to learn from you asking them to constantly share um, is is not the best approach okay I am so guilty of this. I am guilty of this. And and my brother-in-law has told, my, my sister has told me that my brother-in-law has been really frustrated because a lot of his friends are reaching out, his white friends are reaching out to him. Um, but I'm guilty of this because, you know, the first day that all of this happened, I reached out to several people that I know on Instagram who are black to see how they were doing and DM'd them and offered, you know, just messages of support. Um, and I, I feel, kind, now I don't, they didn't tell me that that offended them, but I, I feel kind of bad about that now. Like I, like I put, um, something on them that they felt they needed to reply to in a time when they were probably dealing with a lot of, um, a a lot of emotions, just, just not wanting to really reply (laughs) to things in their DMs. So, um, and that's why this is a solo episode. Uh, I, I do, I actually have had several interviews with black um, OTs. There's July and August now are, um, I've already done the interviews and July and August are actually both black practitioners and Tamiko Faison was on in May. So it's kind of cool um, that we're seeing some diversity in my podcast guests. But but also um, that's why this is a solo episode. That's why I did not ask someone who is black to join me on this episode to explain everything to us during this time. Because Um, There are plenty of very good black teachers out there who we can learn from about racism and about how to be anti-racist. So that was my main point that I forgot in my outline to tell you guys is that one of the big things that I'm learning is it's not okay to just be be, um, complacent in your, well, I'm not racist. You have to be actively anti-racist in our society right now, especially as a white person, okay? When you are, you need to be the voice, right? When there is a big group of white people all talking about um, the things white people will say about people of color when people of color are not around, you can be the voice. You can be the voice to stand up against racism. And that is that is um, not something that I feel like has happened to me where I haven't stood up, but it's just so good to have it front of mind to remember that, right? To remember that I need to be a voice. I need to use um, my privilege that I have to speak out to other people even who are privileged. Um, listen and learn to from what is already out there. Sorry, I got off track a little bit. So um, I, I have a couple that I... Um, that I highly recommend. So um, Layla Saad is one and Rachel, Rachel Cargill is one too. Um, Rachel Cargill does the at the great unlearn at um, on Instagram. I'm not sure if she's on Facebook too. I've been consuming most of her content on Instagram. Um, 
Dr. Brittany Connors is a great one. I know Dr. Julia Harper. Those are both OTs. They have both been on Instagram sharing um, helpful information um, at MarvelousMiracles.ot. She's on Instagram, too, has been sharing super helpful stuff for me. Um, so, you know, there are people in our in our social media spaces who can help us as white people understand how to be an ally for people who are black and people of color. So I, I just want to encourage you guys to think about if you are white, to think about what you're, even if I, I know most of you, it's not ill intentioned, right? But I know, um, I know that I just want us to be mindful. I want us to be thoughtful and to do the work ourselves, right? Do the work on what is out there already that you can learn from to help you understand how you can be actively anti-racist. So I'm going to try to include a list of resources in the show notes um, of different books and things that you might be interested in. And I, I want to really encourage you guys that um, that this is this is something that as white people, I think we um, we it, it can make us really uncomfortable. Right. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, talk about racism where we don't know what to say or maybe we want to say something, but we feel like we're not sure if it's going to offend someone. And there's a lot of uncomfortableness around it. OK, but I think that we really have to um, do that work, do that work to be uncomfortable and do the deep work of figuring out um, what, you know, learning what life has been like (laughs) for many people in the black community in our country over the last decades. Okay. Um. So I guess I guess my final um, my final thing is that I just want to remind you guys that it is not enough to claim to be not racist. Um, we all have our biases, we have preferences, we have opinions that are shaped by our experiences, and um, th- that is deep. That is really deep. Um, I'm reading a book by Chris Voss. He was a FBI. This is related, I promise. Um, he is an FBI negotiator for like hostage situations. And his book, Never Split the Difference, is all about um, communication and how we all, one of the things he writes about is that so much of communication is actually at the level of like our not thinking brain, right? We just automatically react to things. And um, we all, I'm going to read a short, short quote from his book. This is on page 12. He said, um, through decades of research with Tversky, I don't know the guy's name, Kahneman, now he's talking about Daniel Kahneman, who wrote Thinking Fast and Slow. That's a very famous book. Um, Kahneman proved that humans all suffer from cognitive bias That is unconscious and irrational brain processes that literally distort the way we see the world. They discovered more than 150 of these cognitive biases, okay? And I was shocked when I read this book to realize that so much of the things in this book actually relate to what is going on today, right? Because 
really these these biases that we have are so unconscious you guys even as white people we can't know we can't even know all the biases we have and so um we we tend to just stick to our biases so here's another here's another section too often people find it easier just to stick with what they believe using what they've heard on their own biases they often make assumptions about others even before meeting them they even ignore their own perceptions to make them conform to foregone conclusions. These assumptions muck up our perceptual windows onto the world, showing us an unchanging, often flawed version of the situation. I felt like those quotes were so pertinent to read here because it illustrates how even if you're a white person who um, who may be uncomfortable with the idea of exploring issues of injustice in our society, exploring the history of people of color in our society, um, you can enter into that learning process knowing that you have these biases. You have these biases inside. It's a part of being human to have these biases. And and it's 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 a good thing to examine these biases and to be aware of them and to learn and change and grow and be aware of those biases as we go. And so this calls us to like a real deep reflection, a real deeper awareness of our own sin. And I am using the word sin because I um, subscribe to a Christian worldview and I do believe that racism is sin. Okay. Totally fine. If you're not a Christian, I love you. I love all people. (laughs) But, but to me, um, that is that is what I would call racism is evil. It's it's sin. It is in direct opposition to all things good, all things of God. Um, we have to be willing to see our own wrongdoing in this situation, to be willing to take a really hard look at our biases, to take a really hard look about the the preconceived notions we have. OK, and to to let ourselves learn from other people's perceptions, from other people's lives, from what they have experienced. Um, and I think that that can only, um, only serve to make us a stronger profession. I don't know if I accurately communicated here. I feel a little like I was all over the place, but I just wanted to share my heart with you all. Uh, being anti-racist as an OT entrepreneur is an ethical issue. It's an ethical issue, you guys. It's, it's, not, it's not up for negotiation. It's not something that um, we can say does not apply to our entrepreneurship. As, as OT entrepreneurs, we are called to stand up for justice. I love you all. And I hope that this was helpful for some of you to think through some of these issues and that you are all um, doing your reflective work. Um, If you are white and if you're black or a person of color in our profession, I am so hoping that we will do better, that we will do better in the coming years uh, in supporting everyone and having this be a profession that stands up for justice.
That is our work as OTs. That is our work as OT entrepreneurs. Being anti-racist has everything to do with OT entrepreneurship.